Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. First turn to Ezekiel chapter 22. And then um, also we will go, uh, our main text will kind of be just following along in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And just as a a reminder, um, out there is um, a candy bar for every single person, not just for dads, but, you know, it's got kind of dumb puns on this too. This one says, you're the best by par. And it's got like, you know, a, a, a golf thing. So uh, make sure that you grab it. There's different kinds. And so there's a sticker on there. Uh, but we'd love for you to have it. If you uh, are a sugar-free person like me, there are small little sugar-free candies out there too, just so you don't feel left out. And then also there is this uh, commemorative coin. Um, no, it's not a poker chip. Okay, but you know, some people are like, oh, poker chip, cool. No, it's not. It's a commemorative coin, um, or you could actually be a ball marker if you golf. So grab one of these two for um, guys, and, and if your husbands or whatever are not here, you can go ahead and grab one of those for them, and it's just to kind of help remind you of that scripture and um, as a keepsake, I guess, or whatever. But uh, happy Father's Day right? Happy Father's Day to all of you who are fathers out there. Also to um, anybody that is a uh, spiritual father in some way, to somebody, we just want to um, honor you today. And um, our message, um, so I'm going to say our message is kind of geared towards men, but I don't, women, I don't want you to check out just kind of like the same thing we do on, on, uh, on, on Mother's Day. Um, always kind of different to deliver a message because you're talking to one specific, but you want to make sure it includes the other group into the thing. And so the principles you'll hear really are for both, both of us. They're not just for guys, but we'll kind of focus on that. But one of the things that I wanted to make sure is um, that guys knew that they matter, right? Guys, you matter. Men, you matter. You know, because we're, we're living in a day where um, the importance of men has basically been downgraded. It's, it's been just kind of uh, reduced, like masculinity has been reduced and undervalued, but, but that's not God's plan. It's never been God's plan, and he wants men, especially nowadays, to raise or rise up to a brand new level in their life. Um, and and God, God's is so wanting, right? And, and I'll say it even too. To the ladies, God wants you to rise to another level in your life as well, in your relationship with the Lord. But man, God, God has, he wants you to fulfill what he has designed for you to do, right? Each one of us has been designed to fulfill something that God has created us to do, whatever that may be. He's created us. He's given us a role that, that we've been uh, uh, created for. Um, but thanks to, now this is my opinion, Okay? But thanks to COVID, we are living in a day where people have surrendered their purpose just to exist. Because, you know, you might have felt like, hey, I'm on a purpose, but then COVID hit, and then it's like, you know what? My purpose is just to exist right now. I don't want, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm not even fulfilling the purpose of what God's called me to do. Because I'm, I'm just kind of in my own little bubble, in a, in a, in a sense. And I'm still trying to kind of, you know, just keep, keep, keep a distance in a way. But see, God, God's got a purpose for each one of us. And if you've got this purpose to fulfill in your life that he's called you to, then he wants you to walk in that, right? Because every single time we walk in what God's purposed for us to do, there's blessing. There's provision. There's protection. There's, there's everything that God wants to give to us. But I think sometimes what we've done is that, you know what, we've surrendered our purpose to just exist, to just be existing. And I think sometimes for men that, that has become apparent. And so we have to understand as guys, because I'm one too, right, that, you know what, we, we've got to define ourselves the way God has defined us. Not, has, not as the world has des- designed us or what the world says we are. Because when we let the world do that, then, you know, we just kind of open ourselves up. And, and really, we, we, we walk into kind of this, this culture or this demand of, of being not a man, right? But just being um, 
of, of the, of the uh, uh, kind of, um, man, I got lost in a word there. But not, I, what I mean is not a man, but just kind of ha- have a male figure in a sense. We're just males, not men. Because I think there's a difference. Because, you know, men rise up. Men take on the challenge. Whereas kind of a, a, a male just kind of is maybe kind of just kind of going through the motions of being a guy, but not really rising up to the, to the um, God-ordained, um, I'm going to call it God-ordained spaces that God's placed in our life to, in order to impact people's lives, in order to impact our home, in order to impact our, 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 our jobs, in order to impact, um, I, I'll even go as far as our church. God has ordained spaces for men to step into. God has ordained spaces for women to step into. Yet, because of the culture and of all the things that we've encountered over, over the last several years, we've backed up from that. We, we're not walking in the purpose that God has for us in a sense where we've just kind of said, okay, well, no, that, I'm going to keep that at arm's length because I, I just, I'm just existing. I'm just trying to get through. But God, God wants us to take another step. He wants us to, to, to get into these God-ordained spaces that he has designed and he's created for you to walk in. Um, but, but many times we don't. And, and it's not like kind of a new thing. This is why I asked you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 22 um, because even God found this to be true, right? For, especially in, in, in men. Um, it says in Ezekiel 22 verse 30, God talking. So I thought, uh, so, I, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. And then it says, but I found no one. Plenty of males, but he couldn't find a man. Think about that. That's kind of sobering. Plenty, plenty of males, plenty, uh, and I'm stretching it again, plenty of females, but are, are, are we walking in as women of God, right? So basically that means, you know what? You could be a male and not a man. So the title of my message today is Real Men. Um, let me pray. Holy Spirit, teach us, help us to understand what a real man is. Help us and teach us to even go beyond that and help us, the ladies, to understand what a real woman is because we want to fulfill what the Lord has given us in the spaces he's created for us to be all that God's called us to be. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. So what kind of man is God looking for? Okay. Now, there are, there's not enough time to go through all of the characteristics, all of the things that we can unpack, unearth from the Bible. But we wanted to kind of... Um, Get, get God's perspective, and we're, and we're going to look at this one main text that, you know, is on your commemorative coin that uh, we felt like we, could, we were going to draw some things from there because we felt it was important for us to be able to share this, um, this thought. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and we're going to start there. That, that's our main text, but then also what we're going to do is we're going to add on to that as we go on, but um, this is what it says. It says, you therefore, so this is Paul. And Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, to, before we kind of unpack that a little bit, let me give you a, a, just a little bit of a background, Paul, of why Paul's writing to Timothy. But um, he's writing to Timothy first and foremost. He's kind of concerned about the church and all the things that Timothy's experiencing, all the things that are going on. And then he kind of uh, follows that up with some other uh, stuff because Timothy and the church has faced hardships. It's faced desertion by people that Timothy thought were a part of, of, of the congregation, part of, of, of their, their, their fellowship. And, and all kinds of stuff have gone, has gone on. Persecution has gone on and all of those things. But Paul is trying to get across, hey, Timothy, there are certain elements as you as a leader, as you as a man that I want you to be aware of, that I want you to, to, to kind of think about and let it roll inside of you. But again, great thing about it is 
God's word just doesn't apply to men. It applies to everybody. It applies to you as women too. So here he is. We get, then he gets to chapter two and Paul uses the word therefore. So what he's trying to do is he's, he's trying to, to link up the previous things that he talked about in, in verse one in this letter. I mean, chapter one in this letter. And, he ta- and, and, and how he's doing that is in the first part of it is he's talking about persecutions that he had endured, right? Because sometimes being a Christian is not all easy, right? It's not rainbows and lollipops, not just a smooth sailing thing. No, there's a lot of stuff that comes our way because we are in the world, but not of the world. That's what scripture says. We're in it, but we're not of it because we have a heavenly home that one day we will get to see. But here he is, he's ta- talking about, and in, in one of the scriptures that he talks about it in first, verse 12, um, he, 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 he's talking about how he is suffering, but you know what? He is very much, he's not ashamed of that suffering because he knows that he is in the center of what God wants for him to do. So Paul tells and reminds Timothy that this kind of first characteristic, okay, of, of a real man of God, a Christian man, and how God wants men to be, right, and women too, is he wants, to, wants them to live, right, by being strong in the grace of God. Being strong in the grace of God so that he can persevere in the face of persecution. He can, pers- you know, persevere in the face of hardships, he can persevere when, when, when other believers are, are facing things. And here Timothy is, he's rock solid. He's not wishy-washy. He's not going back and forth. But instead, he's like, nope, I'm, I want you to be rock solid on what you believe you have learned from me. And it's important that, that we get that. But see, we got to understand that these, these principles, and we're going to go through five of them, Okay, and I'm going to try to go through them really quick so that you're not here forever, right? But there's five of them that we're just going to gain from this. But it, those five are to help us to grow and in, in, in be active in our God-ordained spaces that God's given to us. And they're all from God's perspective. Okay, They're not mine, but they're from God's perspective. So the very first one is stand strong in God's grace. That's our first point. Godly men, real men, Stand strong in God's grace. Now, for some, people don't necessarily associate grace with being strong. For some people. Often the word grace is thought of as being weak, passive, and a spineless attribute. Right? Which is totally not the case. God doesn't see it that way. But grace in its simplest terms is God's supernatural ability made available to believers on an unearned, undeserved basis. Okay? You didn't do anything to earn God's grace, but God loves you so much that he lavishes it upon you. He pours it out upon you. He gives you this ability, right? It's a God-given resource that's given to you and I to enable and empower us beyond our own abilities. Right? That's where sometimes we go, well, God, I don't, I, I'm not very good at that or I can't do that. But yet you know in your heart that God's you know, tugging and saying, hey, I want you to do this. Sometimes then what you have to do is you have to press into that grace and say, all right, all right Lord, I, I don't feel like I've got enough to do whatever it is. I don't know enough to do whatever it is. But if that's what you're asking me to do, then I'm going to rely on that grace. And God, God will give it to you. You'll walk away going, Oh my gosh, how do I do that? How did I do that? But it's all because of God. I I feel like I am a prime example of that. Way back when, when they first started in in the ministry and they asked me to do children's ministry, I said, heck no. Kids are brats. I don't want to be around them at all. No way, right? But I, 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 I went into it saying, all right, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And it was God's grace that helped me. Because I'm not the type of guy that likes to get up in front of people and speak. I No way. But then as it grew, then it was like, hey, become a campus pastor. Hey, you're going to speak in front of adults. No, God. But again, it's God's grace. He empowers you to do things where you walk away and go, oh my, how did I do that? How, 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 that's not my natural bent 
or my natural thing. But see, God gifts you, uh, gives you abilities beyond your capability in order for, to further the kingdom of God. That's part of this grace thing. And not only that, it, it helps us to, to um, conquer our weaknesses, right? Every one of us has weaknesses. I don't care who you are. You have a weakness, right? But see, the Holy Spirit is a part of your life, and the Holy Spirit is, is working in you to help you overcome those weaknesses. And so when you get in those opportunities to display the weakness, the Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, stop, hold up. And then we have to be able to walk into it, right? Also, that, that the grace is part of God's dunamis power. And part of that power includes a great ability and strength as we yield to, to an absolute trust and reliance on God. Basically, what it means is, you know what? You're not relying on yourself. You're solely relying on God, right? A real man's true strength is, a, is, a, is in completely trusting God's grace and not trusting in ourselves. That's, that's leaning in to this grace. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, nor by power, okay? But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might, because we think, okay, hey, I'm going to take care of this. I can do it, right? Nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So let's keep it in context, Okay? But Zerubbabel, was he, was he was rebuilding the temple, and he was not to trust in man's resources. He was not to do, you know, trying to, trying to figure this out and, and trying to accomplish the, the task with man's resources, but instead he was to trust God. That's what God was telling him. No, no, you trust me first above everything else, and you stand strong on the grace of God, right? That power that God will supply and things will be taken care of. Things will happen. And really, it's not any different today, man. The Holy Spirit, again, like I said, lives in you, is actively involved, and he's releasing this grace into our life. But see, we have to stand strong in it, right? We just can't let it just be something that, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, God, God's out there, and, I, and I've got to do this all on my own. Real men of God don't live that way. They trust God. They put everything in the mode of, God, I thank you for this grace that you've given me. I'm going to stand strong in it, and I'm going to be able to navigate whatever it is, whatever the situation is, because I am totally dependent upon you. Dependency, right? It's not, I can do it on my own. It's not that mentality. It's God, I am dependent on you. And this dependent on, uh, on grace is so, I think, so critical, especially in the world we live in today. Because, you know, as you know, we live in an anti-God, godless society in some ways, right? They keep edging God out more and more and more. He's out of the schools, right? And, you know, hey, why is our schools all jacked up? Well, maybe because God's not in the schools, right? Or whatever it is, but they keep pushing God out of, out of whatever it is that we, we established from the very beginning. And so now, all of a sudden, we've got to be able to look at it and say, okay, well, you know what? I, I don't care what the culture thinks. I don't care what the society thinks. As a, man of God, as a man of God or as a woman of God, I live by the principles according to God's word. And therefore, I rely on the grace that God's given me in order to do it. And so here's the thing, though. In order to be strong in that grace, right, this strength doesn't develop in us by just sitting back passively. You just say, oh, God, just pour it on me. It's all good. Just, just kind of keep pouring it on me, and, 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 it'll, and it'll work. No, there are things you have to do in order to be strong in that grace, right? In order for that to happen is we've got to seek him, right? Real men seek him. You remember like, you know, the Christmas story, it says the wise men seek him, right? We, are, we have to be able to seek him and then we draw deeply, right? Draw from that grace, draw from understanding that relationship level that we have on him and, and then being able to walk in that strength and saying, you know what? I don't know how this is going to work out. As men, it's okay to tell your spouses or your girlfriend or whatever, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know that God's on my side. I know that God's going to help us. God's going to figure it out. When you do that, guess what? You're, you're standing strong 
and the grace of God. You're standing strong. Second characteristic of a real man from God's perspective is they reproduce their faith in others. They reproduce their faith in others. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says, And the things that you have heard from me, okay, that's Paul talking to Timothy, uh, uh, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, what are those things? Well, 1 Timothy 1.13 has Paul telling Timothy, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you heard from me. So he's, in, in other words, he's telling Timothy, hey, recognize the word of God that I am teaching you as something that is a, like a treasure that is immeasurable, of a, of a measurable value. What I'm giving you, Timothy, right? And I guess if you, if you were to look at it, from, uh, uh, from a certain perspective. You could say whoever gets up here to preach, whether it's me or someone else, hold fast to the words that have been being spoken to you. Right? Hold fast the pattern of sound words you have heard from whoever it is that's, that's declaring the word of God to you. If you listen to a podcast of somebody that you really like, right? Hold fast to the words that are being spoken. So that's what he's trying to get across, that, that we have to understand that God's word is so important to our lives. And not only that, Paul takes, I think, just to another step. He says, also not just my words, but my lifestyle. Man, you've been hanging with me for a long time, Timothy, and you've seen my lifestyle. It's not one of, of, of you know, kind of uh, fudging the lines, you know, like in the batter's box where the batters come and they erase the, the batter's box so they can get a little bit more of an advantage and you can't see the, 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 the fresh white chalk lines. Timothy's like, I, Paul's like, hey, you've seen my lifestyle. You know I don't go and I, and, I, and I kind of remove those lines so that I can fudge a little bit in my relationship with Jesus. He says, so I want you to be able to not only hold fast to those words, but I also want you to be able to then understand my lifestyle so that you can then and pass that along to others. So he, he wants them to pass along what he's learning and he wants them to pass along how he's living. But in order to do that, Timothy, man, he, he really had to make it a priority to learn God's word, wouldn't you say? He really had to make it a priority to listen to Paul, kind of meditate on what Paul was saying, meditate on what God's word was saying. And then really kind of, too, studying. How's Paul living his life? Right? Because if you're a father and you have little kids, your kids are studying your life. They are. You might not think so, but they are. I mean, I've been in many situations with my kids that I think, like, where'd they get that from? I'll raise my hand, right? Where, you know, it's just, but they're studying. They're looking. Hey, if that's okay with dad, that must be okay for me. You know? if my anger rises to a level that it shouldn't. Right? I got a little bit of Irishman in me, so there's times. But that then equates where my kids might see it and say, well, then it might be okay to be a little bit over the top. Let's just say. Glad my wife didn't say amen. Anyways, <laughs> I'll just blame it on the Irishman, right, in me. But, but see, that's the thing. So, he, he was learning from Paul all of these strategies about godly living, how God's word works. But here's the deal. He wasn't supposed to keep them to himself. See, as, as men of God, we don't keep what we're learning or what God's showing or how God's living in our, through our life. We don't keep it to ourselves. Same thing with you ladies, right? Especially if you've got kids. I mean, what a great opportunity it is to share with them who God is in even the littlest of things. Because you know what? What you're doing is you are building something inside of them. That this is, this is the lifestyle that mom and dad live. This is the lifestyle that, 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 that they're, they're, they believe God for. That God shows up in their life in certain areas. And man, you know, so why, why not just, that's just who we are. You know, I, I know my kids... I grew up in a pastor's home, so they're PKs. And, you know, sometimes PKs can be a little wild. Um, but but I, 
But I think we understood from a very early age, man, we're setting the tone of what this looks like. So yes, they had to come to church every Sunday. They did. I mean, there was like kind of no rule around it. But all in all, in our ability to try to raise our kids, it was all about, no, this faith has to be yours. Not just ours, but, but we tried to work on that constantly. But we were trying to emulate as best as we could what it meant to follow Jesus. And so we have to understand that we've got to be discipling others. If we're, if we're real men following after God, we've got to be d- discipling others, right? We need to pass what we're learning, pass what's going on, and, and begin to, to, to let people know and share with them what, what's happening. I mean, dads, grandpas, spiritual fathers, this is a command to all of us, really. This is something we need to do. So have you picked someone out? Have, have, do you have somebody? Or do you have a group of people that you're saying, hey, yeah, okay, I, I, need, I need to step up. I need, I need to be discipling somebody, right? Man, if you're a parent, are you discipling your kids? Are you doing the best you can? I'm not saying you got to be excellent. I'm not going to say you got to be, oh, man, I'm hitting A's all, all across the board. I'm just saying, are you doing something to disciple your kids? Are you doing, and really, <laughs> even when they get older, parents that are, have older kids that are 18, right, live out, but we still have opportunity to disciple our kids in some way. So we, we, we need to do that. The word commit is a compound word in the Greek. I know you guys were excited about that, right? But when it's compounded together, I practice this, paratithemi, that's what it means in, in the Greek, which means to come closely alongside someone else in order to make some type of deposit. So Paul's telling him, hey, commit this. Commit what you know. Come alongside somebody. Disciple them, right? It's, it's like, you know, when you go to the bank and you, and you make a deposit, you're depositing something for safekeeping. And so are we depositing what we know about God, even if it's small things, okay? Like I said, you don't have to have a Bible degree. You don't have to have, you know, all this, this stuff, a doctorate in divinity and everything. But what you know about God, feel free to share it. Feel free to, 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 to let it come out of you and, and, and allow that to happen. And so here Timothy was to pick someone or a group of people and come closely alongside them and depositing into them. Listen, influencing those who maybe aren't walking with Christ yet or those who are walking with Christ but need help or need somebody to, to just kind of walk with them along the path and along the journey. I mean, I don't know about you, but man, it's always great to have people that you can come to and ask for prayer. Hey, would you pray for me about this? I have people like that in my life. And man, every single time they're like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then they check up and kind of make sure, hey, you, you good? How, how did that work out? How did I like? Man, don't live in this tight little bubble. We've got we to be, be able to pour ourselves into, invest ourselves into our spouses, our kids, right, into others, and I'm going to go stretch a little farther into our church body. Can I get an amen? Okay, I just want to make sure. But see, that's discipleship. That's God's perspective. See, even God told his disciples, Jesus told his disciples this in Matthew 28, 19, 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We've heard this, Right? But see, that's the principle that, that, that Paul's trying to get across to Timothy. As a man of God, right, as a real man, then you know what? You, we need to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach, them, uh, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. Just teach people what you know, right? And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he even told the disciples, hey, guys, you need to impart what you know into someone else. You need to talk to other people about what you know about God. 
And, 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 and the really cool thing about this passage, too, is if you recognize it, is that it's multi-generational. It's a multi-generational passing along. Because it starts with Paul, then goes to Timothy, then goes to faithful men, and then goes to others. That's multi-generational. Paul was older than Timothy, right? Timothy then could pass that along to faithful men, those who, who he began to disciple, those who would come around. And he, listen, even open their self up to be discipled, because that's a key right there. Every single one of us, no matter where we're at, can really open ourselves up to be discipled by someone who might have a little more knowledge than we do. And that is not a, that is not a slam on you. That's just a fact. That we all need to be in discipleship relationships with others. Where, man, we're talking about God's Word and we're learning new things and we're, we're be able to process things with one another. But this thing's generational because everyone is passing along their faith. So wherever you are at right now, make sure that you are pouring into someone who can to, to grab a hold of it and then they can pass it down. So for an example, if you have older kids and, and you begin to disciple them at a greater level, then guess what they're going to do? They're going to disciple their kids. And then they're going to disciple their kids. And then they're going to disciple their kids. Just, it's how it works. But, but, but we have to be open to allow that to happen. But it's everyone passing along their faith. Christian discipleship has the long view in mind. Okay? Generationally. Reaching others who will reach still others. Right? It just keeps going. All right. So the next three characteristics that we're going to go through uh, from God's perspective are found in verse 3 through 6. And 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 4 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier, which gets to the third point. So real men stay focused in the fight of faith. They stay focused in the fight of faith. So now Paul kind of is shifting a little bit. He's exhorting Timothy to have the commitment of a soldier. Now, this is kind of a, a metaphorical illustration, right? He kind of starts laying out these kind of metaphors or these illustrations. But he's saying, hey, Timothy, in order to be all that God's called you to be as a man, even as a woman, right? Whatever that is, you need to have the commitment of a soldier. Right? And we know a commitment of a soldier is not something that should be taken lightly, should it? Absolutely not. I don't know maybe some who have served in the military or, or know someone, right? But it, it is not something that is taken lightly, right? Because the mission is always first when it comes to a soldier. The mission is always first. It's above everything else. So Paul's telling Timothy, hey, I want you to take a look at your life. Be a good soldier, Man, is the mission first? Is, 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 is what we're doing as either a family or in my life, is it, is it got God first in it? Or is he kind of on, on that, that side bench when we call him in when we need him? Right? He's our, our, our sixth, he gets the sixth man award, like they have in basketball, right? Hey, God, I need you now. Come off the bench, please. No, he's like, man, no, I want to be dead center in the middle of this thing. So real men of God understand that by coming to Christ, it's similar to enlisting in a military setting. It's where one is at the will of a superior's command and willing to sacrifice their lives for the cause that they are fighting for. But we don't take Christianity that way. We don't take it as, as whoa, Okay, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. Shouldn't that be good enough? Well, that's awesome, and that's great. But there's still some things that we have to be aware of and grow in to become the fact of, you know what? No, man, I, I signed up. This is serious stuff for me, and I'm going to do everything that it takes to live this life 
for Christ. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be serious about it. And so in that too, you might even endure hardships like, like Paul's telling Peter, I mean, telling Timothy. He says uh, in verse three, you therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. But here's the cool thing about that. You got to realize that, you know, as a soldier, you're not alone, right? Usually when they go out to war, it's not just one guy, yeah, you know, running out there, okay? But it's a whole group of people. It's a whole group following. So we have to realize and recognize that, you know what? Again, it kind of goes back to that discipleship thing, but it's, it's a, a command for him to walk and understand that a soldier is not working for the Lord by themselves. They're not. Instead, you are partners with other fellow soldiers or believers and with him. So if I'm a soldier for Christ, and yeah, I'm going to face hardship sometimes, I'm going to find a bill that I wasn't preparing, and oh my God, I have no money for that, or whatever it is, that means, you know what, I, I've got to understand that I have people within the body of Christ that I can go to, and hey, hey, can you pray with me about this? Or man, I've been given this diagnosis by a doctor, hey, can you pray for me about this? Can you run to the battle with me? And as soldiers, because we've committed to our commander through his word, we should be able to say, I'm in. Let's go. I'll do whatever it takes to try to help you through this, right? Now, I might not have the resources to help you, but man, I can pray. And I can ask the Lord to do that. I might not know exactly how to you know, do this or do that. But man, that's why the Holy Spirit's in our life to give us wisdom, to give us insight, to be able to stand with people and be able to say, man, you know what? Yeah, I, I got you. I'm going to hold your hand. And then, you know what? Having another brother or sister come alongside you, holding hands, right? Because God, God wants that. And then God's in the center of all of that. But see, we got to understand we're not supposed to do this on our own. But we sign up with a seriousness about the fact that, you know what? As a, at this illustration, hey, I need to be serious about my commitment. Because, you know, you know, there's all kinds of badness out there. There's all kinds of weakness, wickedness. There's, you know, all kinds of stuff. But see, soldiers brace themselves for the fight, right? It's like, no, I'm all in. Whatever is necessary to fight the fight, I will go. I will do whatever it is. And then it says in, in verse 4, no one entangled in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Okay, so the word entangle has this idea, right? Because there's, there's a lot of, if you, if you look it up like in Strong's or look at it up in some of the things, it's got a bunch of different uh, ways that you can um, pull this out. But it's often used to describe a person entangled uh, in his lower garments or a person who is caught in some type of thorny vine. So basically what it is, it's something that hinders you. Like back then, you know, they wore long robes, guys and girls. Right? And so what it's talking about in, in that picture is the fact that you, they, they would get entangled as they began to run or begin to, to move uh, towards something with the, the, the bottom part of their garment. Or someone who got entangled in a thorny mess, in a thorny vine. That doesn't feel good, does it? I, I'm sure it doesn't. Okay? And so Paul's using the word to tell us that, you know what? As committed Christians, we don't have the privilege of getting, um, getting to, to, uh, to be involved or intertwined or entangled with the affairs of this life. Okay? And let me say this. The affairs of this life are, are, is anything that would hinder our relationship with Jesus. Hinder our relationship with him. See, real men of God realize, I can't be involved in that. That's going to stop me from being able to run this race that God has set before me. That's going to stop me from getting to the God spaces that God wants me to be involved in. I can't, I can't do that. That's what I'm talking about when it's talking about, because, you know, we all live in this world and we got to do things, right? You got to pay bills. You got to work. You got to do that or whatever. But what I'm saying is when you look at it, you, you can't entangle yourself in the things that you know will tie you up in your relationship with Jesus. Real men of God know that. Real men of God live apart 
from that. I mean, we all have the same responsibilities as non-Christians. We do, right? But we just don't get entangled. We can't get entangled with all of these things. Because when we get entangled, then it suffocates what God wants to do in your life. It just basically let it come to, come to a stop. So we, we can't be um, focused on the distractions. We need to be focused as a Christian soldier on him. Uh, number four. Real men also do the work to obtain the prize. Do the work to obtain the prize. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned. Back then it was a wreath. A wreath, I always say it wrong. But a, a victory. They didn't have like, you know, trophies or participation trophies or anything like that. It was like you were crowned with this thing. It says, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So he changes the illustration from a soldier to an athlete to get across that real men of God spiritually prepare and train with the mentality of a professional athlete. Of a professional athlete. So, kind of brings up the question, do professional athletes work and train hard? They do, right? They put in a lot of work in order to do it, whatever it is they do. I don't think Stephon Curry came out of the womb and just shot threes, right? If you're a Warriors fan, you're probably like, yeah, we won. Um, I'm a Lakers fan, so I'm glad the Celtics didn't win because then they would have more championships than the Lakers. And so I was rooting for Golden State. Anyway, that's all beside the point and just off topic, just so you know I'm real. Anyways, um, but, but they train really hard. I mean, I think there's countless hours shooting and shooting and shooting, and shooting, and shooting. But see, that's, those are the moments when the real commitment comes. How committed are you in your relationship with Jesus? Are you putting in work when it comes to God's word? Are you putting in work when it comes to your relationship with God? Are you putting in work when it comes to even praying to God? Are you putting in work when it comes to doing the things that, 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 that you hear about in God's word? Are you doing the work? So he's trying to get Timothy to understand. Real man will look at it and say, man, I got to do the work. I got to put in work. I can't just coast through this because this, I got saved and I'm all good. No, he wants every single one of us to, to understand that we've got to put in the work if we're going to grow and be all that God's called you to be. Right? Because real athletes are serious about their sport. Right? They'll do anything. They'll undergo the, the hardships, any training uh, regime, regime, any kind of regime or any kind of discipline in order to reach their goal. That's a big one, discipline. Right? Because as an athlete, if you're going to be a high-performance athlete, you can't eat everything you want. I mean, you've got to cut back. Unless you follow golf and you know John Daly, he doesn't look like he holds anything back. He just eats and plays golf. Sorry, John. Anyways, I don't know where that came from. Um, but, but see, they discipline their bodies. They, they sometimes have to, to get a personal chef in order to cook for them to help so they're putting the right kind of nutrients in there. But see, that's where we've got to understand that we have got to be willing to commit like an athlete, a professional athlete, to, to winning. Winning this battle, winning these things that God that that are, that are in our lives that, that God wants us to have victory in. But see, if we get lazy and we don't participate and we don't discipline our body and discipline our flesh, then you know what? We will never receive the fullness of what God wants for us. Yes, we will receive the eternal prize, heaven, but we won't receive the other things that God has for us because we just didn't put in the work. So how committed are you to putting in the work? How committed are, are we to train, right, and follow God's, God's truth, right, his word, his rules, his commandments, his things in our daily life, just like, in an, just like an athlete does? And, and here's the deal. I hope that, that, that a little bit of pressure is not going to elbow you out of your race. Just a little bit. 
is going to elbow you out of the race or cause you to sometimes do something that the Scripture says disqualifies you. Because that's what he said. Be an athlete, run the way you're supposed to, do what the rules say so you won't be disqualified. Now, when it says disqualified, it doesn't mean that you're actually going to like, oh, I'm not going to make it to heaven now. But you know what? I believe it disqualifies in a sense that you're not going to receive what God wants for you, the best that God wants for you here on earth. And then also, you know what? There's rewards in heaven that we'll see. But see, if we're so kind of wishy-washy and kind of just all over the place, then I think, and not disciplined, then we're not going to be able to see all of those great things that God, God has for us, right? Because he wants you to receive the victory in every single battle that you face. This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Well, that's kind of like, duh, right? I'm running in a race. I know that, okay? But it says, but one receives the prize. Do you not know that? So someone's going to receive the prize. Why not it be you? Okay? He says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. Again, it might as well be you. And everyone who competes for the prize is uh, temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. Now he's, now he's going back to this athletic thought process, right? Because you get, get the crown on your head. But we do it as Christians for an imperishable crown. One that means it never goes away. Then it says, therefore I, that's Paul, run thus, not with uncertainty, right? So he's not, he's not just not like doing his Christian life all over the map. He's not just kind of, well, I'm good here today. Oh, I'm bad here today. I'm good here today. Oh, I'm bad here today. Oh, well, you know, maybe I'll give God some time today. Oh, maybe I won't give God some time today. Oh, I won't, you know, kind of, you know, press in a little bit harder. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that today. That, that's what he's, he's saying here. He says, you know what? I don't, I don't, therefore, I don't run thus, not with uncertainty. No, he has a certainty of why he's running. It says, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, let's not even use the word preach, when I have discipled others, okay, because disciple can be different when you're discipling someone, when I've discipled others, I myself sh should become disqualified. Like basically, you know, that way when I'm discipling someone, I'm not disqualifying myself. I'm telling, hey, you do this, I do whatever I want. No, Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Live this life out. Be so committed as a professional athlete that you are growing and developing the skills so that when you are ministering or discipling or gathering or talking to people, that you know what it is? It's a beautiful picture of, of you displaying Jesus. So men, commit and discipline yourself to spiritual training. Right, because it'll help you to run this race. Uh, and lastly, the last one, uh, number five, godly men work their fields expecting results. Godly men work their fields expecting results. You could put godly women work their fields expecting results. Verse six says, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. So Paul conveys that not only should real men, right, stand strong in God's grace, reproduce themselves, stay focused and committed as a soldier and, and, and as an athlete, but real godly men should also be farmers, right? They should be farmers. And within those 11 words, Paul is illustrating this picture of the, of the life of a farmer, right? Now, I don't know much about being a farmer, but I'm convinced it's hard work. I'm convinced it's so much so, right? Because the farmer tills the soil and then they keep plowing and sowing and plowing and sowing and they work to the end of their strength or to the point of physical exhaustion. That's the life of a farmer. He gives every single ounce of strength to finish the job at hand. Why? Because he knows it has to be done by someone. It has to be done by someone. So, Real godly men adopt the same work ethic. They sow and they water. They sow and they water God's word. Even in the hardest of conditions, you'll see a farmer out there doing his job. 
Same principle for us. As a farmer, we're sowing and watering God's word, even in the hardest, roughest conditions. Could be personally in our life. Or we're, we're going through a situation in our life and man, we just don't know what to do. Well, become a farmer. Begin to sow God's word into that situation and then come alongside it and water it. And then, you know, keep watering it and keep sowing and keep watering it. Because what happens? God promises a harvest. But see, often what happens is we plant, maybe water one time, Where's the answer? Where, where, where's the, the harvest, God? God's all, no, no. Look at the farmer. The farmer just doesn't drop it in, water, gone, and then expects it to grow. No, he, he's got irrigation going. He's got all kinds of things set up so that, that that crop can grow. And see, that's where we've got to get to the point where we're understanding that, you know what, as we, we sow and as we, we water and as we sow and we water God's word, even in the harshest of conditions, we're going to keep doing that until the job is done. Until the harvest comes. And, it, and then the great thing about it too is farmers wait patiently. Think about it. You know, they don't, they don't run out the door the next day. Did you grow? Oh, come on, corn. You didn't grow. What's up? I planted you yesterday. You should, have, you should have came out. No, they wait patiently. They know that there's a cycle to this thing. And sometimes God will answer prayers right away. And some guy, sometimes, man, it's a matter of, of allowing yourself patience and watering and sowing, watering and sowing, watering and sowing. So much so that maybe you even get to the point of like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this another day. But he says, no, do it another day. Keep doing it. Because at some point he guarantees the harvest. He even says there, man, the farmer should be the first to eat of the harvest. So he, he's almost like Megan, hey, hey, guess what? Man, if you would put these principles and you would work your field, then you know what's going to happen? You're going to be the first to have, see your harvest. You're going to be able to eat off of that harvest. But see, we, we, can't, we can't give up. We got to be patient and keep doing, keep, keep doing that. So a farmer doesn't give up, and neither should we. It takes faith and patience to be a great farmer. It takes faith and patience. Hey, I'm just planting a seed. Who knows? I hope it grows, right? But then it takes patience, right? Because the farmer doesn't see instantaneous results. They work hard before they see any visible sign of the crop coming, which then you can tie that back to athletics, soldier, right? Standing strong in the grace. Man, I'm working. I'm doing the work. I'm doing the things that are necessary. And then in time, the seeds that they planted will yield, right? The benefits of the desired harvest, whatever that is. What, what, I mean, that could be so many things. This is what Galatians 6, 7 says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap, right? So from God's perspective, godly men plow their fields, which consist, here's the fields, okay? Which consists of the spheres of influence they have been given, your family, your job, your friends, your church, right? Your circumstances, whatever that may be. Right? But they get out in the field and do the job. And as they do, just like the hardworking farmer, they will reap the benefits. So whether that's, man, you're watering and you're planting a seed and watering someone who doesn't know Jesus. Don't give up. Be patient. Just keep planting and watering, planting and watering, planting and watering, planting and watering. But, but see, it's when you give up, you stop being the farmer, that begins to erode the seed. The seed can't develop. Let me give you one more scripture. And 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7 says, consider or, or to think deeply or to examine what I say. So he's kind of wrapping this little portion up with Timothy. He says, consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding. Right? 
understanding, see how this all fits together? That's what he's trying to say. And so uh, may the Lord give you understanding in all things. So how do you begin and grow in what you've kind of heard, right? Well, you need to spend time and make every effort to get God's understanding, to get God's wisdom through his word. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Like you, you, you know, sometimes as, as a pastor, you think everyone's got to get a full chunk of what I just served as, as, a, as a meal on a Sunday. No. What it is, is you take what you heard or something that has kind of triggered in your heart and then you take that to the Holy Spirit. You say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand that better. Help me to apply that to my life better. Help me to be able to, to navigate and work that better. And, and the great thing about it is the Holy Spirit will. The Holy Spirit 100% will. But see, we got to be open to, to him talking, to him speaking, right? But he'll help you. He'll help you live and walk in your God-ordained space as a real man, a real woman, whatever you, whatever. He will cause you to walk in that. But, but just put those principles to practice. How good am I at being a soldier right now? How good am I at standing in the, in the strength of God's grace? How good am I at discipling other people, sharing what I know? How good am I at being an athlete and being dedicated and putting in the work? How good am I at being a farmer, right? Take those and, and begin to kind of just open them up before the Lord. And say, okay, where do I need some help? You might be great in a couple areas. And then there may be some other areas that he wants to tweak a little bit. And, and you know what? They might be hard. They might be kind of tough. But see, the great thing about it is you can walk through everything the Holy Spirit shares with you with grace, with his empowerment, with his ability to get to the side or get to the to place where, where God looks and goes, man, you've grown so much. Not only God will say that, people will say that. Man, you've grown so much. What's going on? What are you doing? Oh, I'm just following what God said. I'm just listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm just following his direction. Do I got it all down? No. But man, I'm working on it. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm going towards, towards that goal, that prize, the, the things that he wants for. And so I'm just going to wrap it up right here. I don't have a big, huge ending thing where it's like, oh my gosh. But, but, but it's simply my heart is, is that you would take what you heard today, men, women, and you would begin to, to kind of grapple with it. You would begin to kind of say, okay, where in my life, what does that look like? Has there been places in my life that I'm not that hasn't been. Only, only Holy Spirit knows. Only God knows. And then allow him just to be, just be honest with him. That, that's the cool thing about God. You can just be honest with him. Just be honest with him and say, okay, I need help. And let him begin to do those things inside of your, in your heart. Fair deal? Okay. Man, it's a somber group today. Just kidding. Anyways, bow your heads. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father God, all three of you, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for allowing the words that came from my heart to grab a hold of the hearts of, of those who are listening, those who are here on, on campus today or, or through the podcast, whatever it is. Holy Spirit, I know that you want to do a work in each one of us, that you want to... Uh, Move us past living in existence to living for a purpose, for the purpose that you've called us to. And so, Holy Spirit, just work within our lives this week. Lord, I just pray a, a, a real sincerity of truth would come over all of us, me included, that, that this week sometime we would sit before you and talk to you about these areas that we covered these five areas and that we would be open enough to hear the truth. We would be open enough to know where 
we need to change, where we need grace, the Holy Spirit to, to help us grow. And so, Lord, um, just speak loudly, speak clearly, speak the language of, of, of each individual so that, Lord, we can continue on our race um, with much strength, with much uh, of grace um, that, that you've given to us as a free gift. And so I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, if there's anybody here who is uh, facing illness, facing a sickness, or, or know of anybody that is, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just declare your healing over their bodies right now. I thank you, Jesus. The word tells us that by the stripes of Jesus that, that they are healed. And so we stand on the word of God for that. Lord, I pray for any financial provisions, anything if people are facing situations that they're not sure how, how they're going to do it. Lord, I thank you that you would be the God that would meet their need. That Lord, as they press into you, that they would encounter you at, at a level that would, would show them that you care about the details. And that, Lord, you would come through for them in such a way, Lord, just show off because you're such a good God. And so, Lord, meet those financial needs. Um, Lord, if there's any work needs, uh, Lord, I thank you that you are there as well. Strengthen all of us, Lord, um, as we continue our walk with you. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.